We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to Hurricanes Weekly, Sunday, February 23rd, 2020. Our show is brought to you by Williamson Cadillac Experience. Everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer escalates XT4s, XT5s, XT6s, and the first ever 2020 CT4 Cadillac's Dynamic New Edition. All right, a busy day coming up on the show, of course, uh, for the University of Miami baseball team, a big series this weekend, Miami and Florida, number one against number two. It continues today at Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark Light Field. We'll have the game on our sister station, 790, the ticket. The University of Miami basketball team in action tonight in South Bend, Indiana, taking on the Fighting Irish at Notre Dame. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock. We'll have that one for you right here on WQAM 560. The Joe beginning at 530 with our pregame show. A big week also in terms of accolades for Miami. Isaiah Wong was named ACC Rookie of the Week. Adrian Del Castillo was named ACC Baseball Player of the Week. So a couple of big things happened there. Also, the ACC uh, supports the transfer rule, a new transfer rule, a one-time transfer for all athletes. That came out of uh, the ACC conference this week in terms of some news. Now, uh, earlier this week, the University of Miami basketball team made it three in a row, three straight wins, and their third straight win, well, it took three overtimes. The first time ever the University of Miami played a triple overtime game, the first time ever Jim Laranega coached in a triple overtime game, the University of Miami went on the road in Blacksburg, Virginia, took on the Hokies of Virginia Tech. Miami led 41-32 at halftime. Virginia Tech outscored Miami 45-36 in the second half. That sent the game to overtime. Both teams scored seven points in the first overtime. Both teams scored six points in the second overtime. And finally, in the third overtime, the Hurricanes came out victorious, uh, outscoring Virginia Tech 12-5. And once again, it was freshman Isaiah Wong to the rescue. He scored 27 points in the game. Chris Lakes had 23. Cam Mcgusty had 21. But it was Wong that three times saved Miami uh, near the end of the game in, in regulation and in uh, both overtimes. Wong scored 27 points, had 12 rebounds. Here's the recap, the highlights, and the reaction. On Wednesday night, Miami defeated Virginia Tech in a thriller 102-95. to Out to Wong, left side for Stone. Flips it over to, to Beverly. Beverly on the left wing, down low for Stone. Puts it up and slams it home. How about the start for Stone? He has seven of Miami's first 13. And the Hurricanes lead it 13-4 here in Blacksburg. McGusty on the left wing, just left of the key. Stops, leans in, and scores. 
Nice job by Magusti off the pivot foot. Got around his defender, Hunter Couture, and Magusti scores for the first time tonight. Long rim to rim, into the corner to Stone. Back out the Likes. Likes in the paint, dips in. Oh, what a shot by Chris Likes. Spinning and twirling, and a scoop to the hoop. A wonderful finish by Likes. Beatty had his own rebound taken away by Likes, and Wong has it for Miami. Brown doesn't like it. Wong into the paint, around Horn, and Wong scores. On the wing, it's McGusty looking inside for Miller. McGusty goes to Vasilovich, top of the circle, right back to McGusty for three. Yes! Vasilovich boomerangs it back to McGusty for a three-pointer. Radford in on Likes, runs him over, and that's going to be a charge on Radford. And the crowd's not going to like it at all. 125 to play in the first half, and a technical foul has been assessed on Mike Young as he shares his opinion with his, co with his referee officiating staff. Story of this game is going to be the three-point line and rebounding for Virginia Tech. And Miami keep him off the three-point line. Likes for three. Good! Or it might be Miami's three-point shooting as Likes buries a three. His second of the game. Inbounds comes from Vesilovic, baseline right. He's looking, he gets to the Roddy Miller, right of the key. Roddy in on Horn, steps across the lane with a hook shot, that's good! A sweeping hook shot by the big seven foot one center of Miami. Six points in the game for Rodney Miller. Mogusty top of the circle. Mogusty wants to get in the paint, drives in, feeds it off to Miller for a slam dunk! Rodney Miller from Mogusty! Carved a path through the defense, somehow he found Rodney Miller. Hokey fans are engaged in this one. Stone has it off to Beverly. Beverly lobs it to Wardenburg. Beverly being crowded by Wilkins. Throws it to Stone along the baseline. Around Horn and scores! What a shot by Keith Stone. He has 11 and that quiets the furnace of the Castle Coliseum. Lights guarded tightly by Cohn to the free throw line with a low dribble. Wardenburg is open. He launches a trifecta. Good! Sam Wardenburg connects on a three-pointer. Wong has it, top of the circle, over to Vasilovich, back to Wong, top of the circle, Wong, for three in the lead, good, it's good, Isaiah Wong puts Miami in front, and a timeout by Virginia Tech, a cold one at three by the freshman, Isaiah Wong, Miami 74, and Virginia Tech 72, Miami needs a three for overtime, here comes Likes, top of the circle, Likes dribbles in, kicks out. Magusti drives in, takes it to the rim. He got it to go, and he's fouled. He's fouled. He'll go to the free throw line with five seconds to play and a chance to tie the game. Cam Magusti found an opening, drove hard into the crevice, put it up, put it in, was fouled, gets an extra shot. One shot to tie it. 11 seconds to go in the game. Wong against Beattie. Drives in, elbow jumper, good! Is good! Wong ties the game, four seconds to go. Cone races it down the floor, lets it fly for the win, no good! And we're going to double overtime! Wong to the free throw line, into the paint, goes airborne, shoots and scores! With 16 seconds to play. 
Long accelerates to the right side, McGusty drives along the baseline, puts it up, scores, enters an extra shot. Cam McGusty gets the basket and another shot. He is rewarded. McGusty, top of the circle, six seconds to shoot, one minute to play. McGusty drives it in and banks it home. Cam McGusty hovering in the air, banks it home. Miami by six, 98, 92, under a minute to go. Likes top of the circle. Likes drives in, likes a scoop to the hoop, and scores off the high window. 195. Miami 102. Virginia Tech 95. Nolly for three. No good. Rebounded by Chris Likes. Miami needed a moment of magic, and it came courtesy of Chris Likes down the stretch. And Isaiah Wong, his performance was majestic. Likes scores 23. Wong scores 27, and for the first time ever, Miami wins in triple overtime. What a win for Miami. Hurricanes have won three in a row in Blacksburg at Castle Coliseum. It took three overtimes. Miami 102, Virginia Tech 95. Well done, Miami Hurricanes. Back right after this. Wow, just wow, what a pulsating performance. What a game, first time ever the University of Miami has played a triple overtime game. Associate head coach Chris Caputo, how about those apples? First time ever? As far as I know, first time ever came Jeez. to play a triple overtime game. At least since I, they brought basketball back. Yeah, maybe wow. back in the day. Let me just tell everybody, triple overtime, Miami wins 102 to, uh, to 95, triple overtime, guts, uh, galore here tonight by your team down the stretch had to get uh, a basket at the end of regulation a basket at the end of the first overtime a basket at the end of the second overtime wow. and then gloriously won it in triple overtime yeah I mean I unbelievably gutty performance by our group um, you know the the defense you know I know we scored 100 points but it's three overtimes but 36% from the field, 30 from three. They did get 28 free throws and made 24 of them. Uh, but, you know, our, our whole thing was to take away the three. And they only made nine in, in three overtimes. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really proud of our group, the way we grinded, that we had the lead. It was deflating to give up the lead and very resilient. Obviously, Isaiah Wong carried us uh, into in regulation and, and into overtime. Cam Augusti came up with some big plays there. Rodney, two huge like put back plays. Uh, Keith Stone's defense again has been, uh, you know, really remarkable. Uh, and, and we're seven and one with him in the lineup uh, with our full group. Mm -hmm. And and now three rope. Now like here's the thing. Again, at Illinois, at Clemson, at Virginia Tech. Not a lot of people have those type of road wins. I'm sorry, like they don't. And so for us, our group has to be very confident about the ability uh, when we're collectively together, which it hasn't been much, uh, that we can compete and, and play against really anybody in the league. I mean, I'm really proud of our group for that. And, uh, you know, I know as the season winds down, we've got, you know, four really, really difficult games left and into the tournament, but really incredibly proud of the group and uh, what we've been able to, uh, you know, kind of like the resiliency of, of going through all what we went through in January and early February to, to be able to stay together and play the way we're playing. I'm very proud. At one point, you were 25 for 25 
from the free throw line. Yeah. At that point. Cam missed a couple. Yeah, I think he was exhausted. Yeah, he was. Yep. At that point, Miami had never had a perfect free throw percentage on 10 or more attempts in any game wow. since joining the ACC. Wow. So you end up 29 for 32 from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, again, we Zay's huge ones, you know, 14 for 14 is really incredible. Here's a, again, I, you know, he's been getting a lot of credit, obviously, and, and as well des, well deserved. Like, he he was shooting 30% from the free throw line at some point in January. For that same guy to go 14 and 14 from the line, you know, give him credit. His resilience, uh, uh, you know, really a credit to him. He, uh, Isaiah Wong, I mentioned this to you the other night, he scored 54 points in the first 18 games. Coming into tonight, over the last seven, he scored 113 points on top. Then you throw in 27 tonight. Now we got to go back to the record book. For no, he's the freshman. only guy. Maybe right. I don't know. I, yeah. I, I don't know. Lonnie Walker, Bruce Brown, Shane uh, Shane Lark. It's rare. Know. It's rare that we 27 do, you know. point game. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Bruce had 29 and, and uh, 30 or whatever. Didn't he have or 30 against Carolina his freshman year? Is that what it yeah. was? All yeah. right. Well, he had 25 so, and 30 or something like that. Carolina. Isaiah, tw- tw- and I mean, you talk about a transformation and metamorphosis for a guy who looked bashful, and, and I saw in the summer he was a good player. Yeah, he played he, great in Italy, and he, then, yeah, he's just learning, you know, and, and some of it is the role has changed a little bit for him. He's, you know, hey, how about Keith Stone's 18 rebounds? Yeah, unbelievable. Isaiah Wong also had 12 rebounds. Uh, um, just proud of our group, man. I, again, this difficult environment, great crowd, you know, super into it. And more than anything, we executed the game plan of taking away their threes, which we knew we had to. We're switching one through five with, you know, a guy who's five five or five seven and, and a guy who's seven foot. And, you know, if I had said to you in the beginning of the year, hey, I'm thinking about switching every, you know, we're thinking about switching every pick and roll with Rodney, I, I don't think, uh, I think you probably would have looked at me sideways, you know, and here he is switching every pick and roll and being super effective at it. What was it um, you got down here in the second half? I think you were down seven, 70 to 63. So you had to claw out of it uh, down the stretch, and time was your enemy at that point. What was it that allowed we you to We started win? to string together some stops, and, again, in regulation, Zay was fantastic, you know, just kind of carrying us. Uh, but our defense started to – we started to get, you know, a little bit tougher defensively. Um, McGusty down the stretch, five seconds to go in the game. You need a three. He found a crevice. And ended up on the free throw line. Yeah, he, how about yeah. that decision? I mean, you know, I think he, he's really battling here with this back thing. It's not like going away necessarily. Uh, you know, he, he the guys are out warming up, and you know he's he's getting stem on his back to try to loosen his back up. So for him to have played as many minutes as he played, and as well as he played, I thought, um, you know, he was uh, he was really good. Uh, let's see. The lead changed hands eight times. It was tied ten times. Uh, there are 9,000 people in the building and went triple overtime. What does it say a little bit about the makeup of your team? Well, like I said, I mean, we've, had, we've been very resilient. We've dealt with a lot of things. Uh, give our guys a lot of credit. I'm glad we're not flying home till tomorrow because yeah. uh, what time is it right now, Joe? <laughs> Midnight. It's Midnight now, yeah, so we wouldn't take off till 1, probably not get home till you know, late, get in bed at 4.30 or something. I, I might say I'm glad we're not taking off tonight because the, the runway is, is surrounded by mountains. Yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> I mean, no, no. And it's very dark and foggy. Yeah, yeah, Other than yeah. that, it's just brilliant, the play no, no. at Roanoke. Yeah. Uh, how about this one? You win this game and you score 100 points, and the, the, the shooter with the third most threes in the history of the school gets shut out. DJ yeah, Oversus. you know, I think it's just water finds its level, you know, so he's obviously been having a hard time. 
here making them. Um, some of it was, I think, the load that, that he had to take on with Chris and Cam out. And we've got to help him find his rhythm again. And, you know, again, water finds its level. You know, you, things regress up or down, you know, to, or regress to the mean or rise to the mean. Like, he'll, he'll get to the point where he's going to make five or six in a game. And uh, I think the thing about him is I don't care what his percentage says, like, nobody's not guarding him. And so he opens up those driving lanes for Zay. He opens up those driving lanes for, for Chris and Cam and, uh, and even our big guys, you know, gives them a little bit of space. Uh, by the way, the last thing, uh, I thought the way you guys, you and Coach L, coaching staff, handled Chris Likes down the stretch, it was masterfully at four fouls. He scored the, uh, the one off the high glass Oh, he glass just said to him, like, you know, he <laughs> felt like his edge defensively, somewhere where we gave up that lead was, was, was not there. Uh, and, and truthfully, Cone and him are like the same size. Yeah. Cone is such a great jump shooter when he gets up off his feet. Like, Chris has a hard time contesting that guy. Uh, and so, you know, we're really subbing offense for defense uh, and defense for offense. By the way, for Keith Stone, he set a program record for rebounds in an ACC game. He was terrific. Rebounds. I mean, I, and I kept saying it, and, you know, I sound like a broken record in November and December. I'm sorry, in, in October and November that, hey, when we get Keith Stone, we're a different team. And then in January, the record started breaking again because I kept saying, well, when we get our guys back and Keith back, and now when we have our whole crew, at least they're making me look somewhat like I know what I'm talking about. All right, let's uh, fire up the bus, go back to the hotel. Get a great night's sleep. <laughs> I might need a little sleep aid. So. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> we might be able to find one of those at the hotel. Oh, I don't know, but maybe. All right. All right. Thank Thanks you very show. much. All right, that's the way it sounded on Wednesday night. The Hurricanes are back in action tonight against the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. I'll have that one for you beginning at 5.30, tip-off at 6 o'clock. Baseball team, the final game of the series between number one, Miami, number two, Florida, from Alex Rodriguez Park and Mark Lightfield on our sister station, 790 the ticket. First pitch, 1 o'clock, we're on the air at 1245. We'll continue when we come back. We'll talk more basketball with Hurricanes associate head coach Chris Caputo. We'll do that as we continue right after this. In December, uh, the, the, the collective um, effort of the group, the development of the young guys, you know, we felt like we'd be very, very competitive in the league. Um, you know, and you test yourself and, and, and win, you know, at Illinois. You know, you beat Temple on a neutral site uh, in Brooklyn and then, and then go uh, into a very difficult environment that's obviously proven to be difficult for the likes of Duke and Louisville and, and you know, at Clemson. And, and we win that game in overtime, I believe. And, and so, you know, feeling really good about our group, you know, heading into our uh, January 4th matchup with Duke. And, you know, to Duke's credit, I thought they played very, very well. Uh, and we had some injuries uh, leading up to that game, but then lose Keith Stone again, you know. And Keith is, has been such a big piece of our puzzle, uh, particularly on the defensive end. And, you know, if, if you're watching the game closely and not just reading the box score, uh, he was terrific the other night against uh, Wake Forest. His, his defense was um, – you know, really omnipresent. Uh, he was everywhere at once. And, and so, and then, you know, from Keith, who's going and, and, and lose, you know, different guys at different times, whether it be, you know, Cam and, and uh, Chris Likes, uh, Cam, Cam Augusti, we lose Rodney Miller for a game, we lose Sam Wardenberg for a game. Uh, and so we just didn't have much continuity in the month of January and early February. And, and in addition to that, you know, the hardest part of that is you don't get a chance to practice 
uh, and become more cohesive as a group. And, you know, basketball is, is the ultimate team game. You really got to play with each other every day in practice to, uh, you know, build chemistry and cohesion. And we just didn't have a chance to do that because of the injuries. And, you know, knock on wood, I thought, you know, uh, against Boston College, we'd, we'd, we'd suit up the full crew and, and poor Sam gets like a little bit of uh, like whiplash the uh, the day before in practice. So we, we don't get to suit him up, but we do bring uh, the other guys back and, and uh, played very well against a good Boston College team who had a nice win last night against NC State. And then, uh, and then we do suit everybody up against Wake, who was coming off a great win at home against North Carolina and able to able to get them and, and, and do it last week in, in convincing fashion. So, you know, excited about that, excited about the development of our young guys. Uh, they've, they've obviously all uh, had some nice moments here. And, uh, you know, hopefully going forward here, we're going to have to take this on the road, which is no easy task, but uh, hopefully we can uh, replicate some of this uh, that we've seen. Yeah, I want to get to uh, to your improved defense in a moment, but uh, Isaiah Wong, in his first 18 games, I think he scored – uh, 54 points in the last <laughs> in the last seven games. He scored 113 points. He's averaging They're pretty funny, yeah. Yeah, pretty pretty dramatic turnaround. Well, he, and he's getting better. Yeah, obviously he's he's really, um, you know, first of all, you know, I, I would say, you know, all, all of our freshmen are, have shown some improvement. You know, Harlan probably the one that had played the most minutes early on and you know, playing a little bit out of position. Uh, and, and he's, you know, had some really good games, uh, including a 20-point game, uh, I believe, against NC State. And, uh, you know, a stat came out that he was one of five freshmen. And then, you know, Isaiah follows that up two games in a row, getting 20 points um, to, to become the sixth guy and do it twice. Is, is I think he's maybe one of only three or four. And, um, you know, what's incredible is, uh, to his credit, you know, a guy who had a lot of high school success and – came here and needed to learn and adjust to what would work at the high level of college basketball. And, you know, he, he kept very, very positive and, and very hardworking about his development. And, you know, obviously it's paid off. And I think it started with him, you know, an understanding like, look, the best way to play well is to play great defense and give great effort. You know, and if you can do those, those things, you can, uh, you can start to play better offense just almost, you know, unconsciously. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and as a refresher, I think maybe to uh, some of the fans, Isaiah was a top what top ninety recruit. Harlan was a top what top fifty recruit. These are guys that uh, were were much sought after. So uh, in terms of recruiting, you were battling top uh, echelon teams uh, to get Harlan Beverly and and Isaiah Wong. These were top recruits. Yeah, and then, you know, even Anthony Walker had visited, you know, people in our league had visited Pitt, uh, had visited Illinois. So, yeah, I mean, you know, we're really happy about the way this class is developing. And I think the success we've had, you know, in the past, uh, it was about stacking good class after good class. And uh, if you think about where we're at there, uh, you know, we're able to start to do that, uh, you know, with, with a nice class uh, coming in and, and then, uh, you know, Nasir Brooks sitting out, uh, we're in a good place there, I think. And, and, and stabilized uh, for the first time in, 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 you know, in about two years as a regard, you know, to the, to the recruiting. I'll tell you what's been fun. Uh, in the Boston College game, it was a 31-6 to run that broke the game open. 
And in the uh, Wake Forest game, I, it was either 11-2 to two or even maybe a, a wider margin than that. But uh, in each of those games, your team has found a way to really bust the game wide open. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's no secret that it, it's been with our defense. You know, our, uh, we told the guys today, you know, from a points per possession standpoint, we're in a very, very good place. Um, you know, one of the stats that everyone talks about now, we've been talking about for many years, is kills, you know, getting three stops in a row. And how many times do you do that? And if you do it like six times, you know, you're probably right around 88 to 90% of the, of the time you're going to win the game. If you do it seven, it's, you know, it's almost 95 to 100% of the time you'll win. You know, in the last two games, we had nine, I think, against – uh, Boston College and 10 against Wake Forest uh, of three stops in a row. And that's how you string those stops together. You're able to get out and transition. Uh, you know, it's just much easier to play good offense, right, when you're getting it off the backboard or, you know, off a deflection or steal. Is there a challenge here in that uh, you're, you're scoring and the, during the course of the year, Chris Likes had a 28-point game, Cam Augusti had a 28-point game, Isaiah had a 23-point game. Harlan had a 20-point game. So they all know they can score. DJ's had a 20-point game. Uh, is there a challenge there for those guys now, those five guards, to look at each other and say, hey, we, we know we can score, but we got to find who the hot guy is or we've got to be able to be able to share the ball here? Well, you know, honestly, that was not a sustainable model to have three guys like we had earlier in the year uh, you know, the only guys really scoring the ball, they're playing a ton of minutes, um, you know, taking a ton of shots, you know, relative to what our program's been about, which is, you know, getting better distribution and uh, being more balanced across the board. And, you know, it's not to take anything away from the other guys, but let me just, those three guys, uh, Chris, Cam, and DJ were, you know, they were shouldering a lot of the scoring uh, and that it's just not a good way to play. You know, it's just too easy to key on you. It's too easy to force guys into difficult, you know, difficult shots. Uh, a lot of pressure on them every night to to make jump shots, which is, you know, it's again not a great way to uh, to go about. You want to have more balance. You want to play more inside out. You want to create multiple threats on the floor. And you know, it's no secret that on some nights when we were getting scoring from the front court, uh, you know, we were a little bit better uh, as a team. And so uh, now. Well, it may be a challenge, you know, personally sometimes for a guy to feel like, hey, I'm not getting quite as many shots or quite as many minutes or what have you. I think collectively Coach does such a good job of explaining to them, okay, now we're giving ourselves a chance to play very well. And he's told them, look, I'm going to play the guys who defend and rebound. And on any given night, it's all about winning the game that we're playing that night. And in that group, it's, hey, whoever's defending and rebounding at a high, high level is probably going to get a few more minutes. And then it, it, that guy is going to hopefully get an opportunity to, to, to get more looks or what have you. But we, we've had a group that is playing for each other. and um, You know, they've been happy for each other's success. And uh, that's been, you know, a little bit more of, uh, you know, speaks to their character than anything. I saw this number the other day, which I'll get to in, in this question. But this uh, maybe puts into perspective uh, where what you've had to deal with this year. And I don't remember – exactly what game it was, but it was a game on the road, and Coach L uh, basically told the team, look, we we got to slow the pace down here. We just don't have enough guys. We don't have enough depth. Uh, we can't run up and down the floor. Uh, so the best avenue for us at this point, it was sometime I think in January, is we're going to have to slow the pace down. 
And now we fast forward, no pun intended, the other night against Boston College. Saw this number. You had 36 possessions in the first half. 12 of the 36 were 10 seconds or fewer. You had six. You averaged 16 seconds of possession. And against Wake Forest in, in the first half, you had 31 possessions, and you were averaging about 16 seconds, 17 seconds of possession. So now you guys were flying up and down the floor. Well, I think it has to do with stops. You know, again, if, if we were so choppy with our lineups and – you know, going back to last year too, as we've talked about, when you when you're playing six, seven guys, it's hard to give the effort defensively. It's hard to play with the aggression. You're, you're playing very much not to foul, uh, and not that we want to foul. I mean, fouling's a mistake, and we, we we really stress not fouling. But on the same token, when all you're thinking about is how do I keep myself on the floor? How do I not get too fouled? You just can't play with the sort of force. Uh, and aggressiveness defensively uh, that you need to. And, and quite frankly, I mean, it's just you're playing too many minutes. And so it's hard to get stops. It becomes a war of attrition that you can't win. And so you have to slow the game up on offense to keep the other team on defense, essentially. Uh, and if you're not defending and, you know, getting stops, you can't run in the open court. Well, if you're holding te- – you know, if you're getting, um, you know, teams in the point eight. Uh, 8.9 points per possession uh, like we were this week, well, of course, you're going to have an opportunity to run, and we encourage it. Rodney Miller, is. Uh, you, you talk about player development, and um, Rodney's been here for th- four years now, took a redshirt year uh, last season, and uh, I know that uh, your staff and with Coach L, you pride yourselves on player development. I brought up, Coach, I brought up Rodney several times uh, with Coach L, but you look at the numbers that he's putting up, and uh, the other day, double digits in rebounds, 60% field goal percentage. Hell, look at his free throws. His free throws at one point during the year, Chris, he was like 5 for 16. Then he went uh, 21 to 24, something like that, from the free throw line. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, again, we're, we're a developmental program. You know, we, we've, we're going to be that way as well as we recruit. Uh, no matter what happens there, whether it's Alani Walker or Bruce Brown or Dewan Hernandez, you know, McDonald's All-Americans, uh, you know, one and done, two and done, three and done, what have you, you know, we're going to pride ourselves on our development uh, system. I think uh, it speaks for itself at this point when we've had guys in the program multiple years, um, particularly the guys who redshirt. I think we've gained a, a very large edge uh, when we redshirt a guy, you know, going back to, Kenny Kaji and Trey McKinney Jones on the way to, you know, uh, Angel Rodriguez, Sheldon McClellan, Kamari Murphy, Cam Augusti, Rodney Miller, now uh, Nasir Brooks. Uh, those, you know, in Rod's case, he felt like, you know, for him to make a real impact in the program, he needed a year where he could physically get in the type of shape he needed to be in. Uh, he, he's there and he's been able to give us great minutes and, you know, hopefully much like Julian Gamble, who also redshirted, like as he gets to his fifth year, or in Julian's case, his sixth year, uh, he takes even another step forward, and it's building depth in our front court, uh, which was key. It certainly could have used him last year, but I'm not sure he would have made the impact last year uh, that he's making right now. I think he needed the year. And, uh, you know, had we had Dewan and Buka and Dang, you know, we certainly, you know, we would have had plenty of uh depth up front would you know it just wouldn't have been right to 
to not redshirt him with, with that team in play. And obviously things changed and put us in a little bit of a tough spot. But I think looking at the long game uh, and for Rodney's future, uh, I think it was the right uh, move on our part. All right, that's Associate Coach Chris Caputo. When we continue more on basketball with Chris Caputo, Chris Caputo when we come back. First, let me talk to you about Williamson Cadillac. Williamson Cadillac has been a part of Miami's unique community for over 52 years, and through those years, it's been their pleasure serving this community with the same essence that represents the people who live here because Williamson is Miami. Experience everything that Williamson Cadillac has to offer. Escalades, XT4s, XT5s, XT6s, and the first ever 2020 CT4 Cadillac's dynamic new edition. Visit their state-of-the-art facility conveniently located at US 1 and 104th Street just south of the Palmetto Expressway or view their entire inventory online at williamsoncadillac.com. Williamson Cadillac, your premier luxury dealership. Williamson is Miami. Uh, with our broadcast, tip-off is at 6 o'clock. The challenge for Miami today, one game behind Notre Dame in the ACC standings. John Mooney, one of the great big guys inside the ACC. Mooney averaging a double-double, 16 points per game, 12 rebounds per game. Notre Dame's second-leading scorer is T.J. Gibbs. Gibbs averages 13 points a game. In fact, Notre Dame has four players averaging double figures. The Irish shoot the three-point shot pretty well. 34% from three-point range. Notre Dame averaging 74 points per game. Miami has won three in a row now inside the ACC. As I mentioned, one game behind Notre Dame. So Miami has to uh, focus on Notre Dame. They've got to move past that exciting, thrilling victory they had on Wednesday night against Virginia Tech. And now all of their focus, all of their energy goes on Notre Dame. For more on tonight's game, here's associate head coach Chris Caputo. With us is Chris Caputo, and on Sunday, uh, be will be on the road to South Bend, Indiana, Notre Dame. They've got one of the great big guys in uh, in college basketball, and uh, so that'll be a, uh, a tough challenge playing at, at Notre Dame. You know, obviously, Notre Dame is a veteran team, has played very well. Uh, in spots throughout the season. You know, I don't think there's a little bit like Louisville. They, they shoot the three great and they're uh, old, you know, they've got a bunch of senior guards and, uh, and have a guy in uh, Mooney who's a 50 year guy and an unbelievably versatile, you know, all conference level player. So two very, very difficult tasks for us on the road, uh, defending teams that are highly, highly, uh, you know, competitive offensively. What do you think uh, the discussion is going to be in the coaching fraternity about the way the transfer rule is heading? Uh, ACC says they're going to be all in now on uh, anybody can transfer one time. Big Ten has said we're all in on it. So you, you see in the direction this is going. Uh, you've have, uh, you have a lot of transfers in basketball. Uh, will it create more, even more chaos, or what do you think you guys are going to be talking about in your fraternity? In your fraternity? Yeah. Well, obviously, you don't want to be supportive of the league. Uh, you know, I'll defer there to to how they feel. I, the thing I would say is, you know, uh, certainly there's got to be a way to to figure out something to that can help, you know, both the student athlete um, and the schools. The one thing I worry about a little bit is. You know, if something's not going right for a young person, um, you know, we'll, we'll use Isaiah Wong, for instance. 
because you talked about his statistics. And here's a young man who was player of the year in Philadelphia twice, um, you know, with a lot of uh, hoopla and, and probably pressure on him to to perform well. And yet in the first, you know, however many, you know, 18 games, like you said, he only gets 50-something points. And, you know, that would have been very easy for him to feel bad for himself or to listen to, you know, if there were voices. Luckily, he's got a great support system. But if there were voices, uh, I don't think it's any surprise in our society now that, you know, the first thought is, is I, you know, i got to go get a different situation. It's, it's, it's the situation. It's not me or it's not that I have to learn. We're in this microwave society. Um, and yet, you know, because the, there's the thought for some kids that, well, I really don't want to sit out. So let me let me play through the year here and figure this out. And all of a sudden they start to figure it out like a lot of freshmen. Uh, you know, now that guy's thinking to himself, wow, this is this. I'm really glad that I went through that adversity. I've you know, been hardened by it, and, and now I can learn to, uh, to to succeed at a high level of college basketball at a place that I really like. And, again, I use Isaiah as an example. It's not like he was going through that. But you, you can see a lot of freshmen across the country going through things like that. And maybe the idea that they have to sit out, you know, keeps them in place just long enough for the light to go on for them. Um, on the other hand, you know, you can understand if there's a coaching change or something something happens uh, – that, you know, probably they should have the ability to, to move on depending on what that uh, circumstance is. I know for us, as I've said, we've really benefited from redshirting guys in that sit-out year. Certainly the likes of, you know, Sheldon McClellan or uh, Angel Rodriguez, Kamar, those guys, had they been able to play right away, um, certainly would have. In Angel's case, he actually was dealing with an injury, uh, as was Nasir uh, Brooks, who, who's sitting out this year. So maybe – for those guys, they would have sat anyway. But I really do think that you get the benefit uh, if you have a staff that is willing to put in the time and be real intentional about helping you in your game. Um, it's funny. We've had a number of guys that transfer and, and they're going to sit out anyway, and we wind up doing something medically with them because, you know, when your doctors, you know, take a look at them, they've got something. So that year sometimes helps them heal from whatever they have going on. So, I don't know. I, it's probably a mixed bag for me. Um, I, I certainly think, you know, it could benefit teams that are losing the one and done. Well, recruiting is already uh, 24 hours a day for you guys. But I feel like now maybe you already already have to do this. Uh, I, I think this is the forgotten part of the game. Not only are you recruiting sure. for recruiting players to come in to your school, to come into your roster, but – some of the best ways to improve, number one, are, are to improve uh, from within. But now I feel like you really got to recruit your own guys to stay. Yeah, and I think, you know, it's that old saying in coaching is you do have to – you've got to recruit your own guys all the time. You know, you got to keep them interested in, in their development. Uh, but, you know, for us, it's one of those things where, you know, you, you have to probably on the way in make sure you're doing the right thing in, in evaluating the kid in the situation – so that you, you don't have a situation where somebody is quick to, you know, to fly away if, if it's not going their way. Um, team's playing well now. We talked about this the other day, and our Coach L has a, uh, has a thought of the day each day in practice. And the other day it was once, uh, once is not enough or once is not good enough. And you're able to duplicate performances. But I think that's a pretty good theme, right, because it's almost like you got a new team here, and it's almost as if you're – got a, a new season well again like you know we've talked about uh 
you know, we, we have that December team that we talked about all throughout January. And I think we were all getting a little bit excited as we kind of went on that five game winning streak and, and, uh, you know, feeling like, wow, you know, we're, we're, uh, got a nice blend of veteran and, and, and freshman, uh, players and, an opportunity to, you know, maybe make a little bit of an impact in the league and compete. Um, you know, we knew that, you know, probably the first game of the season playing Louisville, a top five team at that point, was probably a little bit much for our group, uh, having just come together and uh, playing freshmen a significant amount of minutes in that first game and not having Keith Stone. And, you know, we felt like when we got to December, uh, we could build some continuity and, and, and we did. And, you know, now we're sort of back in that place and, excited to go now take on the challenge it doesn't mean that it's going to be any easier um because you know going on the road uh and even playing home games here against uh you know the likes of, of virginia and syracuse you know those are two pretty good programs uh that have that have won a lot of road games in their time so it's not like it's easy but you do feel like you have an, enough uh, you know of a team right now uh, enough of a, fight, a chance to go fight those battles uh, with enough weapons. Uh, before I let you go, I mentioned this the other day, Mike Jaminski, who's going to have the game again, uh, very effusive in his praise uh, for the way your team has played the last couple of games, and he's seen three or four Miami games, and his thought was, gee, when they have all parts, they're like a top-four team inside the conference now. Maybe a stretch, maybe not, uh, but as you mentioned, some big games still on the on the schedule, but what he sees, I think, is a lot of potential. Yeah, and like you know, again, you can only know that um, after we play these next five games in the tournament. You can kind of look back and say, "Geez, if we would have had those guys, you know, we we would have been in a better place." I'm not ready to say, you know, that. I just what I will say is, you know, you, we feel like we've got our full complement. We've got good chemistry uh, and good spirit. And, uh, you know, we've obviously performed well at times uh, or, or most of the time, I should say, uh, with this group. And now, you know, three games in a row on the road is going to really challenge it. And, uh, you know, hey, we, we did win at Illinois. We did win at Clemson. So those are two really difficult environments you know, uh, that kind of hopefully have prepared us now to go on this three-game road swing. And, uh, you know, when we get back, you know, we're, we're either going to be back to the drawing board in terms of, uh, you know, what we're going to need to do uh, right at home or we're going to be feeling like, hey, we really put ourselves in a position here to uh, to capitalize on having everybody back and, 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 and play well at home to, to kind of end the regular season. So it, it, we're definitely excited. I think there's a new lease on life for, for our group. All right. Thanks to Chris Caputo for joining us here on the show. Our reminder, the baseball team finishes up their series with Florida the final game of the series at Alex Rodriguez Park at Mark Light Field this afternoon, 1 o'clock first pitch. We'll broadcast that game for you on our sister station. Kevin Rogers will have that game beginning at 1245. The Hurricane Hotline this week is tomorrow night, Monday night, beginning at 6 o'clock. And then basketball has just about the entire week off. They will uh, be back in action on Saturday against Georgia Tech after tonight's game against Notre Dame, tip-off 6 o'clock. Our broadcast begins at 5.30. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll uh, rejoin you once again tonight uh, from South Bend, Indiana, for Miami and Notre Dame. Enjoy your day. Thanks for joining us here on WQAM 560 The Joe. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... 
they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.